Our theme is wherever. Fantastic. Fantastic. And the easiest way to work out what Jesus was like is to look in the Gospels. That's why we're in the book of Luke. And the book of Luke, primarily, it could be the number of cough lollies I've eaten now could be having an effect. Um, uh, as long as that's the only effect. Um, the, the book of Luke is um, an amazing book because it really gives us a, a, a look into the humanity of Jesus and how he was with people. And so today we're at Luke chapter 6, and um, we will look at that in a moment, verse 27. But the context of the scripture is Jesus has just come down from a hill, a high place. He's come down into a big flat area, and the crowds have gathered around him. And the crowds are coming to him to be healed, and it tells us that he heals everybody. He's not picky, choosy, this one's not too hard, that one's... He just heals everybody. He's amazing. So he heals everybody, and then he goes on, and he speaks. He faces his disciples, and he speaks, and essentially, he delivers what we know as the Beatitudes. And he talks to them about the Beatitudes. Now, Beatitudes are like, God blesses you who are poor, for the kingdom of God is yours. They're these wise sayings that are packed with kingdom goodness, and God and uh, Jesus is sharing those with the crowds. And then he comes to verse 27, and that's where we're going to pick up. Luke chapter 6, 27. But to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, Offer the other cheek also. If someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. Give to anyone who asks, and when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. If you love only those who love you, why should you get any credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get credit? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money only to those who can repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners will lend to other sinners for a full return. Love your enemies, do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great and you will be truly acting as a child of the Most High God. For he is kind to those, he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. I, that's one of my favorite lines in this whole passage. He is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. Isn't that amazing? You think about it. God is kind to those who are unthankful and who are wicked. You and I probably wouldn't be, would we? It's quite challenging if you want to go wherever, whenever, be like Jesus. Right there is a challenge, isn't it? Be kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. I love that. It just says he's much bigger than us. You must be compassionate just as the Father is compassionate. We're going to focus on the first verse only this morning of that, verse 27, because I think it's full of some fairly profound stuff, 
and um, we really haven't got the time to get past the first verse. It goes like this. But to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Seems clear enough. But how many of you know that when Jesus starts the sentence with the word but, there's going to be something in there that's probably going to kick your butt because it kind of grabs your attention. You know, if I'm leaving out of the house and I say, hey, before I go, just before I go, or but before I go, I'm going to give you some information, chances are the information I'm going to give you is quite important and, and I want you to listen to it. Well, Jesus is doing a similar thing here. He's saying, but to you who are willing, but to you. Who's he talking to? Me. Yeah, he's talking to us. He's talking to you. He's talking to me, but I don't want us to think of him as talking to us, okay? Because if he's talking to us in this environment, it's very, very easy for me to know that he's talking to Pastor Ray this morning. Because if it's slightly uncomfortable what he's going to say to me, it's much easier to know that he's talking to Pastor Ray. So he says, but to you, but to you. Can you say that? I want you to say this though, but to me. But to me. Say it with some conviction like you actually think you want to hear it. Yeah, that's right. But to me, but to you who are willing. You who are willing. Everything is a choice. Everything is a choice. But to you who are willing. He's saying the choice is yours. Whether you want to listen to this or not, whether you want to read my words, or well, just picture he's in the crowd talking, whether you want to listen or not is your choice if you are willing. I've discovered that Jesus never makes us do anything. Nothing. It's all if you're willing. It's all if you'd like to, if you want to. There's consequences to all of our choices, but it's always if you're willing. Um, oh, I've got to pray. No, you don't. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to pray if you don't want to. Just, just let me. I'm going to ease your load this morning. You don't have to pray. That's good. But if you're willing, in other words, if you want to, everything in the kingdom just about runs on the I want to. Oh, I've got to read my Bible. I really don't want to. I've got to read the jolly thing, though. No, you don't. You don't have to read your Bible ever again if you don't want to. Be free. You don't. But if you want to, if you want to, ah, oh, I've got to go to church on Sunday morning. No, you don't. Thanks for coming. <laughs> but no, you don't. If you never want to grace a church again, you don't have to. You don't have to do anything. But if you're willing, if you want to, there's great reward and results when you want to, because when you want to, 
you approach life a completely different way than if you have to. And God doesn't, he gives us free choice. He doesn't make us, the free choice is why we're in the pickle we're in with sin, you know, falling short and all that, because Adam and Eve blew it. But the fact is that if they hadn't, you would have. And if you hadn't, I would have. So, uh, because it's all about choice and, and God values free choice. So he doesn't make us do anything, which is why it's so important that we live life with the I want to, not the I have to. If we're living with the I have to, we miss out on so much. You know, if I have to get up and go to work tomorrow, the day hasn't started that good. If I have to come to church on Sunday, well, my expectation's not exceptionally high that it could be good for me or it could be a good time. If I have to read my Bible, chances are I'll get to the end of my paragraph or my chapter or whatever I'm reading and I won't remember anything I read. If I have to pray, I probably just won't pray with any sense of real conviction. But if it's, I want to, that changes everything. I want to changes everything. I, um, I did, this is going to make me sound much better than I am, okay? But I'll just, I'll glow in that moment for a moment, and that's okay. Um, I, I make Jan breakfast every morning. And see, like I said, better than I am. And, um, and sometimes she offers, generally I refuse. Generally I refuse. Say, so, no, no. I will make you breakfast. When I was sick uh, with the flu the other week, I actually had to let her one or two days. But anyway, and it's not that she doesn't do a good job. She does a great job. But I want to make her breakfast. I want to make her breakfast. I want to make her her poached egg on her bergen bread. I know, some of you are going, come on, it's lunchtime, move this along. Um, uh, her, bur- her poached egg on her bergen toast with her freshly made flat white and we sit at the table um, just for a couple of minutes and start our day together like that every day. I do that because I want to, not because I have to. You imagine if I had to do that. You know, have your stinking egg and you know, hope the coffee's hot enough for you. And do I have to sit here and talk to you for the next five minutes while you eat that jolly thing? And blah, blah, blah. You know, by the time I left the table, be, oh, thank goodness that's over for another day. But it's not the case. I love doing it. It's a way I feel I can add value to our relationship. It's a way that I feel that um, Jan does very well in the mornings, but she's not a natural morning person. And it's just, a, it's just like I can just help her that little bit in the morning. I want to do that. And if you hit it with an I want to attitude, it changes everything. It does. And it's God's desire that we live with an I want to attitude. We may not get past this word. Um, in the first verse, uh, I want to. God wants you to want to. He's not telling you you have to do anything. He's inviting you to want to. He's inviting you to want to live life in relationship with you. He's inviting you to want to hear his word. He's inviting you to go into your workplace, your cafe, your school, your mum's group, dad's group, whatever it is tomorrow, knowing that you're full of the Holy Spirit and you're full of his power, and you are carrying the hope of the world. He wants you to want to do that. He wants you to come to church, knowing that this is a place where you can gather with like-minded people, family, and that when all the coals are together in the fire, there's something of that radiating heat together. If you know your Bible, you know I'm quoting scripture in my way. That is going to heat you up for the week to come. But he wants you to want to. 
not to have to. Now, actually, my experience tells me every now and again I have to because my want to sometimes comes out of my have to. But if you're stuck and you have to, do you understand what I just said then? Sometimes I, sometimes I have to to make myself want to. But if you're stuck in the have to, you're missing it. You're missing it. For those who are willing to listen or to participate, to be ready to now <coughs> listen to me, to pay attention to me, he says, and you know when he says something's going to be radical, he says, love your enemies. Wow. Yeah, okay. It's three words, four words. Love your enemies. The culture of the day, you were taught to love your family, but you were also taught to hate your enemies. What Jesus says right there, and then in the rest of the passage, is absolutely radical. He says, if it's what he's saying is, if you're willing, I want you to live a radical life. That's what he's saying. If you're willing, you don't have to. Don't get hung up on it. You don't have to. I'm not going to make you do anything. But if you're willing, come on. Let's live a radical life. Let's live a life that the world can't help but see and go, my goodness, what's going on for those people or for that person? Because the way they live is not normal. It is radical. And that's the invitation that Jesus is giving here to his disciples. It's, a, it's to live a radical life. It's to live a world-changing life. Love God, love people. That's world-changing right there. Matthew 28, go make disciples of all nations. That's radical. Why would you do that? But that's the invitation that he's giving to each of us, to live this crazy, sold-out, radical life for Jesus. And you thought, that Jesus or Father was sitting in heaven marking the roll book just to tick off that you were in church this morning. No. Because he's not making you do anything. So he doesn't keep a roll book. He's looking for the I want to. He's looking for the I want to tomorrow morning when you get up to go to work. He's looking for the I want to tomorrow morning when you get up to go to school, when you go to coffee group or mum's group or dad's group or whatever it is. He's looking for the I want to that knows that I am a child of the living God. The I want to that says I'm carrying the hope of the world and I've got something to offer this sphere of influence that I find myself in. The I want to. The I want to. If you leave with nothing else this morning, I want you to leave with the words I want to imprinted. Because I want to makes a difference. I have to never does. I want to will change the world. I have to will get me through another day barely. But I want to is full of potential. Absolutely full of potential. I want to what? I want to, I want to love people. I want to love God. I want to love people. I want to do whatever God's put in front of me to do. I want to be in the area of influence that he's put me in. And I want to make a difference there. I want my, my life to count. I want to uh, leave a legacy in my life. And friends, that's what activating community transformation, our mission, vision, is all about. Activating community transformation cannot happen any way other than bringing something of the hope of the kingdom of God to any and every situation. 
That's the only way we can change things. A good idea won't. I'm not into feeding people, dressing people, helping people without giving them the eternal, the eternal answer. Why would you do that? That's cruel. But why don't we help people, feed people, clothe people, educate people, giving them the gospel, the way of eternal life, connecting them to an eternal God who has an eternal plan and destiny for them that when they want to, they get to choose eternity with him over a lost eternity. Because that's the mission we're on. How do we do that? We do that simply by wherever, whenever being like Jesus. Well, that's not that simple, actually. It's quite hard. I don't know how you find it. I find it quite hard. Some days okay, some days not so okay. Some days harder. But that's how we do it. Because some people ask for more. Well, show me what that looks like. How do I do that? How can I outwork that this week? Well, number one, go to the Bible and read it. And maybe if you want to pray, maybe if you want to spend some time in his presence, you'll learn what Jesus is life, then just like, and then just apply that in the world. There's more than enough there to change a city. There's more than enough there to change a nation. Activating community transformation. And then we have our values, which help keep us on track. Hey, kingdom focus, purpose, courageous, belonging, big-hearted, which is all very good. If you haven't got the I want to, though, you're stuck. Because life is a drudgery if everything is a have to. Isn't it? It's a drudgery. Love God, love people. There's a guy called um, Penn Gillette. And uh, he's a magician. Um, he has a show called Penn and Teller, I think my sons tell me. And um, anyway, he's, he's a well-known magician. He's an actor, blah, blah, blah. What he is most well-known for is the fact that he's an atheist. In fact, he would say, reading an article about him, he says, I'm not even, I've gone past being an atheist. You know, I don't even just not believe in God. I believe there is no God um, to not believe in. Um, that's, his, that's his take on life, which is his choice. But he makes some really interesting comments, which I was very challenged about. When everything is a choice in life, when I need to live with the I want to, and sometimes I decide not to. He talked about proselytizing. How many of us know what proselytizing is? Not many, eh? It's really a word that's been lost in the English language. So if I'm standing on the, pre uh, the preach, if I'm standing on the street preaching, I'm proselytizing. If I'm sharing my faith with Grant, who I just bumped into on the street or whatever, I am proselytizing. Proselytizing is illegal in many, many countries. You're not allowed to do that. But this guy, Penn, makes some comments about it. And I think in the context of am I willing to listen, the, con the, the comments that he makes are really, really powerful. Can we play that video clip? Thanks. And I've always said, you know, that I, I don't respect people who don't proselytize. I don't respect that at all. If you believe that there's a heaven and hell and people could be going to hell or not, getting eternal life or whatever, and you think that, uh, well, it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward. And atheists who think that people shouldn't proselytize, just leave me alone, keep your religion to yourself. Uh, how much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize? How much do you have to hate somebody to 
believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that. I mean, if I believed beyond a shadow of a doubt that a truck was coming at you and you didn't believe it, that truck was bearing down on you, there's a certain point where I tackle you. And this is more important than that. See, Jesus is calling us to this radical I want to life that's all about the kingdom. That's all about introducing people to him, the person, the relationship, not the I have to. Yet in our society today, we get lulled into this false sense of, well, this is just a choice. This is, there's nothing great at stake. We just kind of work out, it doesn't matter what you think about this or think about that. Where the truth is, it does matter. There are absolutes that God makes very, very clear in his word. And that our eternal existence hinges on a choice and I want to, that we get to make in this world. That choice that I want to is whether we choose Jesus or whether we don't. It's very simple, really. He's done it all. The, the relationship was broken. When Adam and Eve made a mess of things, the relationship was broken. It was severed. God sent, the, the Father sent Jesus. He fixed it. It's what the cross is all about. He fixed it. We're given a choice now. Either we receive what he did, we believe in him. The Bible in the book of Romans tells us we believe that he was um, uh, uh, died on the cross for our sins and that he was raised on, from the dead on the third day. We believe and we confess with our mouth. And then it tells us we will be saved. In other words, a relationship will be reconnected. And that relationship lasts for all eternity. We get to choose whether we accept him or whether we don't quite simple really in the words of Jesus it's something like this but if you're willing to listen if you're willing to listen and our whole eternal existence is then based on the decision that we make in this world in fact it's the only decision that we can't make after we pass from this world I think of the mission, I think of the plan, I think of the plans, the things that God's got us to do as a church in this city. I think of what of activating community transformation and what that means for our city, what it means for your workplaces, what it means for high schools and universities and different things. And I think, and I pray, Lord, that we would be a church that has the I want to, not the I have to that we would be a church that gets what's really at stake, that we would be a church that would open our mouths and share the gospel with those around us that we know need to hear the gospel, not for the sake of shoving something down their throat, but for the sake of love tells the truth. I kind of figure that coming together on Sunday shouldn't be about filling an hour and a half and because we've all got stuff to do with our hour and a half. I figure that coming together as the body of Christ needs to actually cause some change. That when we walk out the door, something, there's a transaction with the Holy Spirit that causes something to shift within us. So that when we walk out the door, we walk out slightly different than what we came in. And really this morning, I, I just feel the Holy Spirit really leaning on this, I want to. 
Why do I want to? I want to because I know people are facing a lost eternity. Why do I want to? Because I get to do this. I get to be in relationship with Jesus. Why do I want to? Because of my relationship with him, I get to live this life of purpose and life of hope. Why do I want to? Because he chose me, which is pretty cool. Why do I want to? Because it's a far better life to want to than to have to. Just that real basics. There's too many grumpy Christians, and it's because they're living out of the have to, not the want to. Because a want to is full of hope. A want to is full of purpose. A want to is full of opportunity. A want to is full of gratefulness. And I really believe that God is looking for a church with the I want to spirit. It doesn't matter what you've got on the walls or on the pages or anything else, activating community transformation. What it doesn't matter what it is. If there's not a church, a group of people that are living with the want to, just, just forget the rest. It's just not going to work. It'll be hard work. It's a waste of time. It's not going to end up the way that I believe God would have seen it anyway. In a sense, this is like 101. Refire the want to. Because anything that flows out of the want to is going to have life. This morning, I wonder if the band would like to come back. This morning, as we finish, I really, as I prepared, I really felt this was like a drinking place this morning. A place where we could simply spend some time in the presence of the Holy Spirit and open our hearts and minds to Him and allow Him to cement some change in our thinking, but really allow him to rebirth the want to in each of us. Because sometimes life does turn into a have to. doesn't mean we've got to stay there. It can change. God's looking for the want to in each of us. Before we go there, you know, I think the greatest want to is wanting to choose Jesus to be Lord and Savior of my life. Wanting to walk with Jesus all the days of my life, all the days of your life. Wanting to spend eternity in his kingdom. You know, there was, I listened to a preacher once and he said um, he'd worked out the dimensions of the holy city in the, in the Bible. You know, we just read about the holy city. He worked it out and he, he did the math, which you know, I'm not good at, but Pastor Ray would be able to verify this. Um, he worked out that if there were six billion people living in the city, just in the city, the New Jerusalem, if there were six billion people in there, there'd be 200 square acres each. That's pretty cool. That's a lot of space, eh? There's enough room there for a racetrack, I tell you. And um, of course, so often people's, people's point of view, people's thoughts of eternity are just way too small. Their, their thoughts, their views of heaven are, are, are too small. You know, going to sit on a cloud playing a harp. Well, good luck. I'm not joining you. Can't think of anything more boring. Playing a harp on a cloud forever? Get off. That's got to be second best worst to coming to church services forever. Come on. You know, the kingdom of God, it's going to be full of fantasticness, awesomeness. It's going to be wonderful. And we get to choose Jesus and that's our future. It's a choice. I will, I want to, I'm going to. Likewise, we can say, no, I hear you. I know the evidence, but 
but I don't want anything to do with him. Friend, that is your choice. You can make that choice legitimately. That is your choice. But I would be wrong to not warn you that that has eternal consequences as well. The Bible talks about it as eternal separation from God and all the good things of God. You don't want that. Eternal. It's a long time. Can I ask you to bow your heads just for a moment? I just want to simply give you the opportunity to respond to Jesus this morning. Maybe you've never made a decision to follow him. Maybe you have, but for whatever reason you've drifted back and this morning you're simply saying, man, I need to choose Jesus. sitting there and you're thinking, yeah, but you don't know where I've been or what I've done. I'm just not good enough to choose Jesus. The whole point is that none of us are good enough. We've just got to choose. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand if you're saying yes to Jesus for the first time or Today you're saying, you know, I really need to get things sorted out. Again, today I'm going to choose Jesus. There's nothing magic in lifting your hand. I just simply want to celebrate with you. Well, Sheridan, I'm in church. That's pretty good, isn't it? Yeah, it is, but it doesn't mean you're chosen Jesus. You need to choose it yourself. Make a personal decision to invite him into your world. I'd like to guarantee that it means everything in your life will become a bunch of roses and you'll never have another problem. But that's not the case. What it does mean, though, is that Jesus promises he'll never leave us. He'll always be with us, always walk with us through every challenge that we might face. morning, if you know you need to say yes to Jesus, can you just give me a quick wave? Make sure I see your hand. person give me a wave. That's fantastic. That's great. If you're able, would you like to stand to your feet? As I said, I really feel that this is to be a place of refreshing this morning, a place that we can simply spend some time together in God's presence. Allow the Holy Spirit to fill us, refill us, encourage us. Maybe we need to do an exchange this morning from the I have to to the I want to. Spirit, why don't we do that before we leave? Allow God to to minister to your world, in your world. I encourage you to position yourself before Him in whatever way works for you. You can kneel, you can sit, you can stand. 
hang from the ceiling if it suits you. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're in this room. We acknowledge your presence. We thank you for who you are. I thank you for every person that said yes to Jesus, you live within us. And this morning I'm asking that you would touch every person in this place. That there had been exchange going on. Holy Spirit, for those who desire it, that you would exchange the attitude of I have to and replace it with the I want to spirit. Father, if there's a sense of dryness and hunger and thirst, by your Spirit I ask today that you would meet that need, that you would fill, that you would refresh in Jesus' name, that any thirsty person would say they're refreshed, any hungry person would be able to say I'm full. and lethargy I break your power in the name of Jesus and I ask Holy Spirit that you would replace with life and with hope and with peace in Jesus name that we your church would be empowered to do the things you're asking us to do Father, as we leave, I ask that every person as we go out the door would feel and know that they've encountered your presence this morning and that we are equipped to do the things you've asked us to do. I ask that we would be hope carriers into every part of the society that we go into this week. Every part. Father, for any person who's feeling lost or bewildered, or I ask that you would encounter them by your Spirit. That you would bring clarity. That you would bring truth. In Jesus' name. Father, let your church in this city, in this nation, not just this church, every church, be known for I want to, not I have to, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.